Okay, hello everyone. Um, today we are continuing our year-long journey through the Psalms. And that journey through the Psalms is unfolding in a couple of different ways. Uh, first off, we've got the Psalms reading plan uh, that you can access through our website, revolutionanapolis.com. Um, if you finished reading it, I stand in awe of you because I don't think the preaching team has actually finished writing it yet. But we're up to 72 chapters so far, and I, and I will say that if, if you haven't finished those 72 chapters yet, don't get discouraged. I haven't finished yet either. And if you haven't started, that's okay too. But we think the reading plan is important. We think going through the Psalms is important because it's the book Jesus quoted more often than any other in the Gospels. And as Kenny has once said about the Psalms, Whatever you're feeling as you wait on God isn't new. And even if it's angry or sad, what you're feeling is okay. What we can be challenged to do, however, is no matter what we're feeling, to take that to God in confidence that he can handle it. And I also want to throw out one more quote. This is from a writer by the name of Kathleen Norris. And she wrote an article, Why the Psalms Scare Us. She writes the Psalms scare us because they defeat our tendency to try to be holy without being human first. And they make us uncomfortable because they don't allow us to deny either the depth of our pain or the possibility of its transformation into praise. In other words, the Psalms meet us where we are and show us that we have reason to praise God even in the worst of times. The second leg of our journey through the Psalms happens in that we're chopping up our sermon series so that um, every once in a while we're talking about a certain chapter. So obviously Kenny kicked off with Psalm chapter one, and then a few weeks back he did Psalm chapter eight. And today we are looking at what could be described as the most famous and the most well-known Psalm of them all, and that is Psalm 23. And this psalm is, is so famous, it's so well known. Today we're actually going to look at three different versions of this psalm. And two of those versions are printed uh, out on the handout that you can get at the back table if you haven't gotten that already. And if you just want to listen, that's, that's fine too. So let's go ahead and begin with version number one in the handout of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This psalm has been quoted in films from John Wayne's Rooster Cogburn to Titanic to Denzel Washington in Book of Eli. But there are two films I want us to look at briefly that utilize Psalm 23. Um, the first one is a film called X2, X-Men United. It's it's a film with a terrible subtitle, but it's actually a really good superhero film from 2003. And, and in that movie, one of the major characters, Jean Grey, dies. 
And as the heroes of X2 mourn her death, one of them recites Psalm 23. And when we think of Psalm 23, we often think about death. And this is true not only in movies, but it's also true in real life. I remember a while ago reading a USA Today article about uh, a priest who accompanied uh, inmates to, to the death chamber to, to be executed. And the first time he went through this process, he read Psalm 23 to the death row inmate he was trying to comfort. And I was even talking to someone at uh, Revolution about this message, and they were talking about how they read Psalm 23 to their mother when her mother was dying. And so certainly when we look at, at Psalm 23, we, we can find comfort in it when, when death might be near us. And we want to believe as we read Psalm 23 that as we confront death in its sadness, in its seeming finality, that God will not let us confront it alone, that somehow we'll overcome it. But this leads us to the second film I want to talk about, uh, a Western from Clint Eastwood called Pale Rider. At the beginning of this film, the bad guys ride into, ride into town and do what bad guys do. And this includes killing a dog, a dog that was owned by Megan, a girl who prayed Psalm 23 after the attack. And, and this is a modified version of Psalm 23. It's version two that we're going to look at, and it's in the handout as well. This is Megan's prayer of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, but I do want. He leadeth me beside still waters, he restoreth my soul, but they killed my dog. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, but I am afraid. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me, they comfort me. but we need a miracle. Thy loving kindness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, if you exist, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But I'd like to get more out of this life first. If you don't help us, we're all going to die. Please, just one miracle, amen. This modified version of Psalm 23 shows us exactly why we're looking at the Psalms this year. Because even as we read Psalm 23, we might be encouraged by its words. We look at our circumstance, we look at our circumstances, and we still want things. And I'm not talking about material stuff. I'm talking about not wanting to live in fear. How about being able to visit older relatives and not fearing that you're going to spread a virus that could kill them? How about being able to go to church? and being able to interact with people and not worrying about having to keep your distance. And let's be even more blunt about Psalm 23. While it's nice and all, while everyone knows it, while it's quoted in a bunch of movies, does it actually give us hope? Or is it merely comfort that fades away as quickly as we finish reading it? And certainly there's no problem with reading beautiful words in poetry or books or watching films that inspire us. They can, take, uh, they can take our minds off the troubles we face. But, but let's ask ourselves this. Does reading a Harry Potter book, does, does watching a Star Wars movie actually give us real hope? If you were to do a word study on the English word hope, 
you will find that there are a couple of Hebrew words used for hope in the Old Testament. And one of those words is tikva. According to Strong's Dictionary, tikva is literally accord. And today when we think of accord, we might think obviously of a cord like this one. It's uh, from a phone charger. And just think about this cord. Obviously you connect one end to your phone, which connects to a plug, which then connects to a power source, and thus your phone is charged. And I would throw out there that we can look at hope the same way. If we were to hope that God is our shepherd, like Psalm 23 says, that he will guide us even in our darkest times. What is that hope? What is that cord actually attached to? Is it attached to anything at all? Or is this hope more like wishful thinking? We want something to happen. But we don't expect it to actually happen. Think of wishing to win the lottery or think about Meredith Camacho, wishing her cold-hearted husband would allow her to get a second dog. It's wishful thinking. He's not going to bend on this. It's not actually hope. So here's the important question that I want us to look at today. Is Psalm 23 wishful thinking that God is with us? Or is Psalm 23 connected to something real that we can truly hope for? Okay, we're going to reread version number one of Psalm 23 in the handout. And you may have noticed that in the first version we read, we actually left a line out. I did that intentionally. And, and for whatever reason, it was left out of Megan's prayer in Pale Rider 2. So let's go ahead and read Psalm 23 version one again. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So a while back, I first began listening to someone named Dallas Willard. Uh, Willard was a brilliant philosopher, a great Christian writer. He had a big impact on my life and still does today. And Dallas Willard encouraged uh, scripture memorization. And so I began memorizing certain passages. And the first passage I memorized was Psalm 23. And we just read the version I memorized about 14 years ago. It, it's from the NIV. But this one line from Psalm 23 kept tripping me up. And it's the line that I left out of the first reading. It's in verse three of Psalm chapter 23. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. For the life of me, I couldn't figure out what this line was talking about. And for me personally, when, when I come across something I don't understand, I, I tend to think negative things about it. So when I'm reading this line, I'm thinking, well, does God actually care about us being in paths of righteousness or is he only guiding us out of some sense of selfishness, out of some sense of self-promotion to make himself look good? 
And over the years, I, I've struggled with this line. And I've read multiple books about Psalm 23, or listened to them, actually. Dallas Willard's follow-up to his uh, great book, The Divine Conspiracy. I read or listened to an entire book of the, about the Bible's use of God as shepherd imagery. I even read a third book solely about Psalm 23, written by a shepherd. And I still couldn't figure out what this line was talking about, probably because I wasn't paying close enough attention, but I, I just couldn't get, he guides us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, until I read something called the New English Translation Bible. All right, so I'm gonna go off on a tangent here. Um, if you've been in church long enough, you've probably heard a discussion or maybe been a part of a debate over Bible translations. In other words, which Bible translation is best? The answer, of course, is none of the above. We should all study the Bible utilizing the original languages it was written in, Hebrew and Greek. But if you're like me, you don't know Hebrew and Greek, and so you have to rely on translations. So then the answer to the question of what's the best translation is actually E, all of the above. If we're going to seriously dig into the Bible and study the Bible and try to figure out what exactly it is actually saying, we may have to rely on multiple translations of the same passage. So in this case, when I was thinking about speaking on Psalm 23 for Revolution, I went to the NET Bible, uh, which you can find for free online, and read Psalm 23.3, and here it is. He leads me down the right paths for the sake of his reputation. He leads me down the right paths for the sake of his reputation. When I heard that, I got it. I completely understood this sentence and how important it was to the rest of the chapter. And this made me realize that Psalm 23 wasn't just wishful thinking or just beautiful words, but that it gives us hope that we can actually hold on to you. Now, some of you might be sitting there and thinking, I don't really tell the, I can't see the difference here. I don't understand what you're talking about. And if you feel that way, that is totally okay. Thankfully, the NET Bible, along with its translation, gives you a ton of footnotes to look at. And by the way, I am not earning a commission here. I'm not employed by the NET Bible translators. It's, it's just a tool that I've come across that I really like. And thankfully, there is a note in the NET that explains, he leads me down the right paths for the sake of his reputation. The Hebrew term Shem, or name, refers here to the shepherd's reputation. Shepherds who sometimes hired out their services were undoubtedly concerned about their vocational reputation. To maintain their reputation as competent shepherds, they had to know the lay of the land and make sure they led the sheep down the right paths to the proper destinations. The underlying reality is a profound theological truth. God must look out for the best interests of the one he has promised to protect, because if he fails to do so, his faithfulness could legitimately be called into question and his reputation damaged. So if, if you're a Christian, you, you believe that Psalm 23 is an inspired word from God, crafted by man in this mysterious mixture of, of man and God working together. 
And so when Psalm 23 declares, he leads me down the right paths for the sake of his reputation, God is saying he is personally invested in leading us down those right paths, knowing that if he doesn't, we won't look at him as a God worthy of our trust. We'll end up putting our trust in someone or something else. Let me explain the idea of, for the sake of his reputation, this way. Um, one of the scariest things, and, and some of you may have done this, but one of the scariest things you will ever do as an adult is sign a mortgage. And when you sign that piece of paper, you are putting your reputation on the line as a faithful borrower. Every month, no matter how much money is in your bank, no matter how healthy you are, no matter your job situation, you must pay that mortgage. And if you don't, what happens? Your ability to borrow is severely hindered. You might lose your house. And I know for me, if, if that happened to me, I would consider myself a gigantic failure. So when God is saying he will be our shepherd, guiding us in the right paths for the sake of his reputation, he is putting his name on the mortgage. He's declaring he will give us what we need bring us to water when we thirst, and help protect us even as we walk through the darkest valley, knowing that if he doesn't, our view of him as a shepherd, a good shepherd, will be seriously damaged. Which leads us to the next question. Has God's reputation been damaged or enhanced when it comes to leading us down the right paths? Has he done enough to earn our trust as our shepherd? After all, we've got options. Even people back in the day when Psalm 23 was written had options. You had Marduk, the chief god of Babylonia, who was praised as a shepherd who cares for the weak. You've got Shamash, the Mesopotamian sun god, who is identified in a song as a shepherd of all people. And then you even had an Egyptian hymn praising the sun god as the brave protector who tends his flock. Why should we hope that the God of the Bible is a better shepherd over these other gods? They, they declare themselves as gods too. What, what makes the God of the Bible any better? To answer this question, we have to look beyond Psalm 23. And thankfully, the image of God as shepherd was used throughout the Bible. So we've got plenty of places to go. It's mentioned in Genesis, Isaiah, Ezekiel, and into the New Testament especially John chapter 10. I'll be honest with you, I kind of feel bad about using John chapter 10 because it's one of those Bible chapters that's loaded with so much good stuff, and I can only give you a couple of verses, but it really is the culmination of the Bible's use of God as shepherd imagery. So to John chapter 10, we must go. To briefly set the scene, Jesus has just given sight to a blind man. And this leads to an argument between him and the Pharisees, where basically Jesus calls them out for being bad shepherds to the people of Israel. And we pick up the story in verse 11. This is Jesus speaking. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money 
and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. Jesus died for us. We've probably heard this line before and it can kind of seem trite and overly simplistic, especially in describing such a profound event like the crucifixion of the son of God. But this is exactly what happened. The wolves were on the hunt for sheep, for us. And Jesus, the good shepherd, laid down his life to protect us. And by giving up his life, he saves our lives. In this way, God affirms his reputation and as one who is worthy to be trusted to guide us down the right paths. So earlier I mentioned the question I really want to answer for you. Is Psalm 23 wishful thinking that God is with us, or is Psalm 23 connected to something real that we can truly hope for? Hopefully, I've answered this question. God is our shepherd who guides us in the right paths for the sake of his reputation, and he is so personally invested in his reputation as our shepherd that he died for us and our benefit. That, that is our hope. That is the cord that we can take a hold of and keep holding. In life's dark valleys, when people want to hurt us, even then, we can remember that we're following a God who laid down his life for our protection. And if he is willing to do that, we can then hope he will be our shepherd through everything else, our guide and our king. We're a few weeks removed from Good Friday and Easter. And one of the drawbacks of those holidays, along with Christmas too, is that we can get so invested in the buildup to them that uh, through Advent, through Lent, through decorating trees, through watching the Ten Commandments on ABC, that once these holidays come and go, we, we pack them up in a box and put them away until next year. But as we end this message, let's take some time to remember what Jesus did on Good Friday. The Son of God, the creator and ruler of the world, committed himself to being our shepherd, our shepherd to his obstinate, constantly straying sheep. In his crazy plan to prove this to us, he appeared to humanity as a poor traveling preacher in a backwater province of an empire that faded away hundreds of years ago. He died an excruciating death of a criminal and rose from the dead to become our shepherd once more. And in so doing this, he showed us how deeply and personally invested he is in our well-being. In Pale Rider, Megan ended her prayer of Psalm 23, asking God for a miracle. And, and at the end of that movie, Clint Eastwood takes care of all the bad guys and everything is great. Megan got her miracle. And it, but in real life, we too can reflect on a miracle when we pray Psalm 23. Here it is. We follow an almighty God who reigns over everything, who created everything, 
And yet he has put his reputation on the line, leading us obstinate, ignorant, not easily led sheep on the right path. We're going to uh, end this message by reading the third version of Psalm 23. And unfortunately, uh, we didn't have enough room on the handout for this. So we're gonna, I'm gonna modify this a little bit and ask you to, to do some homework, which is a terrible request to ask of adults mostly who are listening. But I would humbly request that sometime this week, you take some time to read Psalm 23 on your own. If you believe that we have all that we need because Jesus is our shepherd. And if you don't believe that, but you want to believe it, which is honestly a place where I'm often in, I would humbly request that you take the time to read Psalm 23 this week. And if you don't believe we have all that we need because Jesus is our shepherd, and you don't want to believe we have all that we need, I would still humbly request you take some time to read Psalm 23 this week, because who knows, maybe God will show you something. After all, he has, bet, he has bet his very reputation as God on being the one who leads us down the right paths. So here it is, one last time, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He takes me to lush pastures, he leads me to refreshing water. He restores my strength. He leads me down the right paths for the sake of his reputation. Even when, I must, even when I must walk through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff reassure me. You prepare a feast before me in plain sight of my enemies. You refresh my head with oil. My cup is completely full. Surely your goodness and faithfulness will pursue me all my days, and I will live in the Lord's house for the rest of my life.